Welcome to Dicey Stories, where we tell stories shaped by dice. You're listening to our tabletop role-playing game, Actual Play Podcast, episode 172. Today's episode is another installment in our series, Echoes of Invasion, set in the world of the Battle for Westnoth video game, 30-some years after the Eastern Invasion mainline campaign. It is played using Edge Studios' Genesis role-playing system, with occasional references to the Mythic Game Master emulator's event meaning tables for inspiration. Stick around after the episode for some GM notes if you're interested. For the story up to this point, visit our website, diceystories.com, where you can listen to previous episodes or read the serialized write-ups of our adventures. Now let's get rolling. We've got a story to tell. Ulf is going to escort you to the tent of the House of Light. This is a pristine white probably that poor girl's family spent the last two weeks cleaning this tent. Ugh. Yeah. White. Because it's a white. It's so the house white. of light. It has to be white. It's not the house of gray. It's not the house of dim. And it's got some like benches set up and things like that. This isn't a battlefield, so it's not like cot after cot after cot. However, you do see some other duelists here. Yeah. <laughs> um, they're checking out people. Somebody's here like for heat exhaustion, even though it's spring. Like, so is he a, like a swordsman by trade? Is that what he does? No, well, it's just a hobby for him, but he figured like this was an opportunity to, to try it out. Are you a swordsman elf? No, I just wanted to try the tournament. I had never seen one before. Let's see what he is by trade. 69. Ruin. Two. Dreams. He dreams of ruins. He's like a treasure hunter. Which or, would actually make or a, a lot tax more. collector. One he of ruins those. dreams. <laughs> no, I like I like that he's like some sort of archaeologist type person. Like he's a, a thief. Like an adventurer. <laughs> and Hepa's like, I haven't chosen a career yet. <laughs> yeah, so he tells you, uh, you know, he's an swordsman per se, but it's good to have some knowledge on how to defend yourself when you get into tricky situations. So he knows Raisa because he met her on her wandering year, but he's not from here, like himself but um he passes through town every now and then like there's some interesting stuff on the side of the river and since he happened to be here right when the full bloom festival was going on he figured he didn't or whatever competitions it, it seemed like he might have some skill appropriate for and he's in town he'll, he'll check in with his old buddy Raisa and see how she's doing now that she's all highfalutin got her own house of light type place going where did he say he was from? Did he say where he was from? Or did he, was he just like, I came across the river? You ask him specifically oh, yeah. where he's from, and he says that he is from Halstead. The Halstead area. The greater Halstead area. Let me think about if I knew. That sounds familiar, but I don't know that I know where that is. You can make a knowledge geography check. Oh, yeah, Hepa. yeah. Does Hepa know? Yeah, grew up in a tiny village. And... What's the difficulty? I'm going to say three purples, and we'll apply a black dye, because this is human geography issues here. Right, right. Three advantages. You have never heard of Halstead. I'm not familiar with it. He tells you it's it's a pretty run-down place. It's not much to speak of. But he indicates that he's well-traveled in Wesna, and he's been to a bunch of places, and, like, he's like, oh, you know, and if you haven't been to, like, Weldon itself, it's a beautiful city, you know, like, this place is, is new, like, Weldon's been around for ages and ages, and he goes on to, like, 
talk up a variety of places. You know, he himself, he just came down through the Northern Outpost and Sword Dock before that. And uh, so he's like name dropping all sorts of West Nile places, probably to make himself sound extremely well traveled. Mm -hmm. But the effect of it is like, you learn more and more and more names of human settlements. Right, right. So I can put that on my map. Yeah, like yeah. you may not know exactly where they all are, but like you're starting to like fill in this web of of knowledge about Wesnoff. Yeah. Okay. No, that's great. Cause you well, and you know she's gonna ask questions because now he's got information he's happy to share. So I'm sure she will pump as much information as she can out get out of this guy about what was your favorite thing to see in you know Walden and. So he takes you to the tent and flags down an acolyte, and he's like, you need to tell Raisa that she needs to see to this woman's injured wrist right away. Just tell her Ulf sent her, and he, like, passes a coin off to the acolyte. He's got to get back because he won his bout with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he has, like, the next one that he has to fight in. But you have been handed over to the the House of Light. Well, good luck. (laughs) I'll have to figure out what kinds of questions Hepa has about magic if she has an opportunity to ask. All right. The party is now split up. Yep. At the tent of the House of Light. Where I've sprained my wrist, because I didn't take any damage for it, did I? No. It's Okay. You were disarmed by a smack to the wrist, and you had a triumph. So here right. you are at the House of Light with an upgrade to your first interaction. Yay. With Raisa. A young acolyte. Pockets the coin from Ulf and uh, rushes off through some curtains, and out comes Raisa. She the one that I had met before. Yes, you just mm-hmm. didn't get far with her before because there was an injured person. Somebody had foolishly tried juggling knives and right. cut up their hand pretty badly, and she had to see them. But now you're the one who has shown up with a bruised wrist. Yeah. So Raisa. Takes you over to a place to sit down, asks you to put your hand on the table so she can examine it. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, you'll forgive me, but you look a little familiar. Have we met before? Oh, yes. I was in here a couple days ago. Um, I was curious about how your magic might be similar or different from elvish magic. <laughs> not, not to mince words. I'm surprised you remember. This <laughs> says the one elf within the vicinity. And she says, well, I'm afraid I don't know anything about how elvish magic works. Those secrets are uh, kept closely guarded by your kind. Are they really? (laughs) (laughs) I think you might have skipped that lecture. (laughs) You know, Hepa might say that. Are they really? I didn't know. (laughs) Hepa just, like, paints a huge target on her forehead for anybody who wants to know anything about elves. Yeah, I mean, she's happy to talk. Maybe we can share information. Uh, she examines your wrist, and uh, she determines that it is just a surface-level bruise, and, you know, as long as you take it easy and, and don't swing it around too much, you should be fine. She apologizes, maybe not quite the right word. She's like, this won't require any use of magic to, to mend. Oh, I mean, I mean, Hepa has medicine skills. She knows, knows that it's not broken or whatever, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know what you could have done for it. Medically, even. Maybe if there was some way to conjure ice. Really, it just needs to have the swelling go down a little bit. Stick it in a nice cold stream. Get some cubes of ice from the ice house. Is this the sort of thing that an elvish shaman would expend magic to heal? I don't know so many, very many spells, but I don't think even my 
there would be enough for even the small spells I know to heal. I mean, it feels bruised to me. And how many years did you spend studying Talando spells? <laughs> I would say in total, maybe less than a year, I believe. When you count up the number of hours I actually spent studying, definitely amounts to less than a year. I mean, I've studied a lot of different things. So I don't know that it would have been to a year, but I only know one healing spell. How long have you studied? Of course, you're probably much more trained than I am. Well, generally one spends ten years on Alduin to earn the, the rank of mage. Presumably you know, but you probably learn more than one spell, yeah? Well, of course, of <laughs> course, yes. Our ten years of study are spent learning a lot of magical philosophy and... Uh, discipline, you know, and uh, of course, just most children, when they come to Alduin, they, they don't even know how to read. So uh, a lot of the time spent there is, is learned in just general education. Some noblemen even send their children, not even really intending them to be mages, but wanting them to get a good education. And sometimes good mages come as a result of that. Please make a charm check to oh, okay. continue this conversation with her. Oh, but I got an upgrade for something? You got an upgrade? Okay. From your introduction from Ulf. Right. Look at me rolling two yellow dice. And there is one story point over here. What's the difficulty on it? Three pebbles, but one of them is upgraded. Do I want to upgrade with the story point? Extra die. I think I do, because she really wants to know about magic. But now she wants to know about this lady and how long she's traveled and where she's been. We'll see if she's just too eager. So one threat, but three successes. I will say you take a strain from mm -hmm. the threat. This woman clearly spent a long time at Alduin, and you were warned that such people could be you should be wary of them. Right, right, right. So depending on what you show an interest in in the conversation, you might end up shutting it down. Right. So it's it's a it's a strain taken because you're like, oh wait, I do need to actually be careful in right. how I proceed. And I mean, Kappa's had enough experiences already the past couple days where she shut down conversations just by mentioning apparently the wrong thing. Or staring too long. Or <laughs> so many folks. Getting too drunk. I don't know. <laughs> but you have just succeeded in a charm check. She's talking about how, um, oh yes, over the course of the education on Alduin that uh, they, they take him from completely ignorant young children and by the end of ten years transform them into mages ready to Ready to go through the ceremony and take on the proper title of mage. Of brown robes of... Leave behind the brown robes of apprenticeship. Oh, I thought brown robes were, you know, just low level. They haven't chosen their subfield yet. She tells you, leave behind the brown robes of apprenticeship and, in most cases, take on the red robes of a, a proper learned mage. That, I mean, She that's... is wearing dazzling white. So, do your white robes signify healing or... The, her white robes signify that she is uh, a member of the House of Light, and she has she has chosen to, to put aside a life of... Material? Of being absorbed in study, that many mages tend to become so focused on their research and things like that. Oh, I can't and, those guys now. Whereas those who don the white and align themselves with the House of Light, they, they're really focused on, um, on healing people and combating the spirits of darkness that make the whole world ill. So, I mean, from the elves' perspective, it's not that we start learning later. 
elves take a longer time to grow up. Yeah. But elves also will then spend like centuries coming deeper and deeper into the mysteries of their natural magic. In the spirit of sharing, but will say it is similar for elves as far as the amount of study. I believe we maybe start later because we're children for longer. I personally dabbled probably a little bit more than, <laughs> than other people, but I, I believe that would be sort of a similar. And among the elves, there are those who pursue like the druid path versus those that pursue the sorceress path. Yeah, I don't know there as a specialty specifically for healing. It's more about nature versus military sort of. Yeah, like the sorceresses are, are definitely the more offensive and protect the forest. More of the highly advanced healing arts are with the druid side of things because they are less focused on the offensive magics. Okay, so then I think what Hepa could offer is I, but I think the focus is a little bit more around forest and nature, defending the forest and harmonizing with nature than I believe human magic focuses on or study. I am not clear. She's like, certainly. Harmonizing with nature is not how I would uh, phrase the focus of human magic. Yeah, so Mastering I'm, it, some might say. So Sending it to their will. I'm not clear if the magic is different or if the school of thought is different. Well, even among human mages, there are those with different focuses. And as I said, I, I've decided to give up that life of books in favor of doing real practical, useful work here. Not that I don't use books in my work, of course not. You know, we have reference tomes and things like that back at our building. But um, if you're if you're interested in more heady discussions, there are other more more learned and advanced mages here for the festivities. And my own superior, Sethwick, he is probably up with Wedgby for watching the joust. And I I do know that a, a red mage is going to be here as well. Would it be possible for me to observe your healing magic? I'd be happy to demonstrate. I'm not so great. If you wish to volunteer your services here in the tent, you are certainly welcome to stay. I could do it once. (laughs) Oh, that would be wonderful. I think Teppa would really like that. Though I do have some knowledge of medicine as well that I can contribute. That will be a useful discussion, as she does not do all of her healing purely by magic either. I mean, yeah, Teppa's curious about the medical stuff too, so... Yeah, I'm happy to spend the day just whatever they'll let me do Okay. and let me observe. All right, you guys both can roll to recover strain as you both did finish encounters of one form or another. I will just second-wind it with how much fun I'm getting to volunteer in a medical tent. All right, check menu. Yep. You were watching the duels in Hepa Lost. Sprained my wrist and disappeared. The guy she lost to has come back and, uh, yeah. you know, he continues to fight in competition. Here's a question that I have. Heppa was the one who was informed of what time and location to meet with Maeve. Did you share that information with Rick? Did I? When did I get informed versus when did I see you? It was towards the end of the night. Then you guys retired to your... I was a little tipsy, but not probably not completely drunk at that point. Yeah, she wouldn't forget things. It would just be a matter of if she got distracted. But she knows it's really important. So, yeah, I think she would have. Okay. Because okay. it's an important thing. Don't want to miss that. Are we she approaching that time then? She might have forgotten that was about this time and wandered off and got absorbed in something else. <laughs> it is approaching that time, and the question is whether you were going to go do this by yourself or whether you were going to try to find Hapa. Uh, Trick will probably, like, meander by the, the House of Light. 
tent, but see. See the the classic scene of like Hepa like asking a lot of questions of this person and he's like, I don't want to disrupt her for this. The other person seems to be engaged and they're having an enjoyable conversation. They're magic, 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 magic. <laughs> Biology. <laughs> medicine, medicine. Mundane. <laughs> Alright, that's fine. So you had in the general direction of, of where you were told that this meeting place was going to be, and you encounter on your way there a woman dressed in plate. Ah, uh, yes, the cavalry. Thanks for the help earlier. Does she have her helmet on still? She may have taken it She's off. She's not on her horse right now. She is oh. down on the ground, so she does have her like visor thing flipped up. Didn't account for how uh, curved armor is, but um, it's still, I think, every, it's a shot everyone will remember. I didn't count on how curvy you are. She's like, didn't want to put it that way. <laughs> She's like, did you think that would help you shoot better looking away from the target? I thought it would certainly be more interesting. And if I hit that shot... And she's like, well, based on the way the other competitor exploded afterwards, it seemed that... Nah, he's, he and I are cool. But he was understandably a little upset, but I think we all agreed that the Master Bowman really was the best archer, as far as, you know, this type of archery. Are you in any of the other competitions? Oh, no, I don't think that'd be fair. You will not be participating in the Grand Melee. I don't think so. Oh, and, and she a... kind of, like, looks you up and down and realizes that... You are not, in fact, wearing a sword. No. Like, I pull out a little... Oh, yeah, I just pull out. I juggle a knife for a second. I'm like, yeah, not so much. I'm more of a brawling sword, if that's what I have to do. Which knife are you flipping? Uh, his human knife. I have another knife. You have, like, the rest of... I have the super... You know, I'll flip that. Human, Xerxes forged uh, knife. She says, oh, but will you at least watch these other feats? Yeah, probably. Are you? I assume you're going to be in the joust, right? Are you in the grand melee as well? I will be in both. Uh, forgive me. I'm Trick Menu. My name is Terwain. Interesting. Well, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Uh, if you will be there, would you mind bearing my favor? I do not know many people in this town, and it would do me much good to have support in the field. I feel like Trick needs to make a geography check. Like, what does this mean? Yes, that would be a geography check. <laughs> You don't want to just do it so you can find out what it's like? Nope, not quite. <laughs> uh, is this average? Yeah. Failure with two advantages. You don't know what it cool. means, but it doesn't sound bad. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't see why not. I'm sure. I'm, a trick probably is just like, oh, it's like giving someone a ribbon that they're a friend of the elf. <laughs> and that is sort of what it's like. Yeah. She has a ribbon that sure. she gives you. Now, what color is her ribbon? So... Is it the blue styling of it? She is attached... To OX, OX band, but since it's like her own personal favor, it has some embroidery on it to indicate fancy business. Her own particular thing. The embroidered pattern is sort of like a set of like wavy lines, like three wavy lines. Three wavy lines. Like, like water on a diagonal. Yeah. Ooh. From the place of the river. Our lands are are bordered by the River Weldon and the Great River. Finally, you um, found water. <laughs> ah, I found water. Take that, Dad. And and she like she like looks at at it herself, and she's like, when I chose the pattern, I I thought they might also be evocative of rolling sand. Rolling sand. Have you been to the sandy waste? No, no, I have never personally been there myself. Maybe someday. It's uh, you know, it's a well well earned name. Very sandy. Oh, have you been there then? Well. 
I mean, I can't say I've been across the sandy waste. Because who knows what's on the other end. Well, presumably the dune folk. Presumably. But. But. <laughs> mainly, yes, it is a great, not so, as you observe right there, it is not so different from a great ocean of sand. But we have no boat to cross the ocean of sand. So how do you travel it, then? You gotta walk. And, well, you can only swim so far. You not have horses? I think it's time for a deception check. Well, with ponies. No, we have elegant steeds. Uh, how difficult is this? What is her vigilance? I think her vigilance is probably two purples, but I will upgrade. No, she knows that bullshit. She's like, you've never been there. You're just telling me your parents' stories. What? You're no. As, you're as close about the... Desert as I am. Okay, I live next to the desert, okay? Where it is considerably drier than it is here. Well, shame on you, then, if you're right next to it, that you have never gone and explored where we came from. I didn't come from there. With a name like yours, you must be one of my kinsfolk. Probably. However, let me trick roll. Raise his headband a little bit. I grew up in the forest. So, yes, if I had grown up on the plains, by the river, one might long for the sand. Uh, I grew up surrounded by trees where, wherever there are leaves and roots, you're in the forest. This is a wonderful place. I highly recommend visiting. I would think that it would be crowded for my steed, though. So packed with trunks as it is. Somehow our elvish riders are able to speed through the forest as fast as you can through the plains. Now, horses are a bit smaller... It is a different kind of riding, I suspect. I bet there's a lot of stories of people getting kicked with branches. <laughs> yeah. It's probably happened to Drake at least once. Yeah. You're riding through and whack! <laughs> you have to know the paths to take. Much like if you're in if you're in a sandy waste, you want to make sure not to get caught in quicksand. Water might be rare, but where it does occur, it could be treacherous. More of your stories. When all you have are stories... You had advantages yeah. on, on your failed role. She's not salty, but she knows. And she has indicated that she is one of your kinsfolk. Forgive me that I've only recently met some of my other kinsfolk. You're from the northern outpost, then, or northern west. I am from the the plains. The plains, of course. That's, I should totally get more information about the horse lord so I can twist that. <laughs> um, have you met Ulrich in town? Or maybe do you know Xerxes? He's a blacksmith. He makes horseshoes. I do know Xerxes. Okay. He's a super cool guy. Oh, he's also part of your plan, isn't he? Ulrich and Yeah. I mean, Ulrich is our age. This woman is younger than Ulrich. Yes, that was my estimation. Uh, but like, this this is your own horse, or do you? Is it owned by Wesnot, and you ride it for them? Rented. <laughs> <laughs> Are you part of the clan? Yeah. Yeah. She tells you that Glom has been her stallion since her father deemed her old enough to. To deserve one. To, to show that she could handle one properly right. and, and treat it and, and ride it well. So you've been riding for... Have you been riding your whole life? Were you actually born in the saddle? You are a jocular person, and so she she's like, I must admit, I do not recall that day terribly well. Ah, well. I have been riding longer than I have been able to walk. Okay. My father made sure that I became comfortable in the saddle quite early in life. Now, so your people are of the, the horse clans, 
you're for people now. Yes, I, I hope someday to, to myself, be bestowed the rank of Horse Lord by Sir Oric or whoever follows him as leader of our clan. Oh, so Sir Oric is leader of your clan of Horse Lords. Just to understand, like, what is the organizational structure? It's like there's a lot of, like, sub-clan type things, right. but Sir Oric is, like, the most recognized. Okay. And... But there's no singular leader of the Horse Lords. That's why they're plural. Yeah, it's it's more like there's a bunch of individual subclan leaders, and right, right. Okay. some clans have more authority than others. All, of course, bow to Conrad II. Right, but of course, Conrad II, Conrad needs them more than they need the king. It is true. It's an implication. It is true. Our, our people did restore order to the, the borders of the territory after the Great War. That, you know, that's just, hey, this outpost is standing. It was Sir Owick who was called upon to, to go around the country. Who was it that struck down Mount Ravenel? There, trying to remember. There are many who claim that it was they. I'm sure every horse lord over the age of 35 claims that. He was at the great battle and... And where was that great battle? Like <laughs> Stabbed through the bitter cold heart of Mount Ravenel himself. Where did they kill Mount Ravenel exactly? The no, stories told around our fires are that Gwedry met Mount Ravenel in, in a duel and defeated him. A, I think this is news to check that. Like Gwedry dueled a lich. Sir Owick led the forces to distract the liches. Sir Owick plowed a line straight to Mount Ravenel, letting Gwedry... Duel his... Oh, oh, that's good. And keeping the, the rest of the forces at bay. That's a good story. I gotta remember that one. Do you know where this fight took place? Oh, it was at the Siege of Weldon. Oh, is that the capital? Yes. I have been to Weldon a time or two myself in huh. Sir Oik's train. Do you mind if I ask, have you seen combat yourself? <laughs> she laughs at that, of course. I, I live in the forest. Don't get a lot of news outside. You don't have a lot of people to fight. <laughs> yeah, what, like, has, the, have undead been coming back? Prior to you asking that question, okay. she inserts the comment that lest you think everything among the horse clans is completely peaceful, there is an awful lot of scraping and oh. jockeying for position, like, among the clans, and that martial prowess is extremely important. So there's a, a constant state of... We are not orcs. No, but of but violence. You must, you must meet a challenge and you must show yourself worthy. Interesting. There have been no undead in, in our lands. She admits that she has never personally fought any in, in like her lifetime. Let me ask you another question. So Sir Owick has done amazing things. He's got a, a, a family here, or in, perhaps in Northern Outpost as well, and they're, they're looking to continue his legacy. The Northern Outpost was his assignment at the time of the war. Right. But following the war, he was made Knight Commander of the King's Horse. Okay. He has a title that, like, no horse lord has ever had before. Right. Whether it gets passed to his children or not, there's no precedent for that. But it is not a title that comes with, like, land. No, Earl Gwedry is the one who got that. Right. Earl Gwedry was made Earl of Estmark. I noticed these dudes seem to be doing well. Yes, but there are those who who might say that that while Owick was out ensuring the safety of the country's borders, Wedgie was given a comfortable seat. Really? Uh yes, Trick would like to have her continue. But he's got a meeting to get to. 
Meet up with her later for a drink. No, but I thought it's so long about the rebels right now. No. Invite her to come. (laughs) No, but this person's clearly... What did you do with the ribbon she gave you, by the way? Her favor? I can do like an armband. I think that'd be good. Uh, Yes, I... I would love to hear more about the horse lords of time, but I have to. I have a very important meeting, believe it or not. Stupid! Stupid! I also have a stupid bird. <laughs> I've noticed. I do apologize for him. There's a fluttering of black and white feathers, and the bird alights upon your shoulder. Feed him a piece of <laughs> But she said she doesn't have a lot of friends, so you could tell her that you're staying at the parting lot. When did she say she doesn't have a lot she of friends? She said she doesn't know very many people she in, many town. People in town. Yeah. Yes. I do tell her that she should swing by the parting glass. Uh, she knows Alric, she said. Uh, no, no, she... She knows Xerxes. She knows Xerxes. Right. Yeah, okay. Uh, tell her to be glad to meet up there and hear more of the, the horse lords. That's an, just an interesting, different kind of culture that Trick's not familiar with. And also Trick totally wants to squeeze in more information about Master Edward. And, you know, squeeze her for information on the, you know, treasonous. Okay, and, and uh, she'll say... Uh... Sure, she'd be happy to meet you later. Well, hopefully she'll see you. Hopefully you will see her win the joust. Yeah, hopefully I'll um, see you on the podium they have. <laughs> or you're on a horse, so it's just, they put your horse on a podium. We don't really even know what jousting is. Does it count as you winning or the horse winning? So many questions I'll ask you later. <laughs> um, but what she says is she would be interested in hearing how one of the men who came to live in the forest. <laughs> you're like, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm hoping to figure that out, actually. Hopefully later this evening I'll have some answers for you. <laughs> And she shakes your hand yep. and uh, goes on her way. All right. Meanwhile, at the House of Light. Oh, my gosh. This is such a great opportunity to learn about magic and physiology and medicine. And You're finding that there is some differences in just vocabulary. Mm-hmm. That it seems that elves consider magic to be, like, innate and part of them, and you are simply uncovering, like, that which you were already able to do. Right. Whereas humans, it is essentially, like, a philosophy or science that they, like, learn from books, which your your father had indicated something to that effect. Right. But the way she speaks of it, it is a study. Okay. The way someone might learn to build a bridge, someone can learn to, to access these energies and or I feel like the elf mindset might be a little bit more experiential, like you learn by practicing and whatever. And there's because a that's lot innate talent. Yeah. Bent. Yeah, but with the humans, there's a whole lot of book learning. Right. Before you learn your first spell, before you even touch a wand, there's all of this. Definitely, you learn to read first. Then you have to read stuff. Then you get tests. Mm-hmm. And. You know, before you can throw your first little set of fire missiles, you have to... Do the magic safety course. They start with fire missiles. <laughs> fire missiles is like one of the the basic spells. She'll tuck that one away because I think that's what Kachin was using. You are correct. Some that... sort of a basic or some sort of a fire spell. Which I don't even know much about elves, but for some reason I assume that fire is kind of a thing you might learn later. Burning down the forest seems like not the thing you start with. Although, I guess we do have a story that had the burnt down a shrub, so... The sorceresses, they have a fire-like... It's called fairy fire. That is one of their attack-type things that they do. But so, that looked different from what Kachin did, right? At least yes. the effect of it. Okay. Yes. So, elves are capable of igniting things on fire, but it is mm-hmm. not flat-out flame-type stuff. Is not 
they, they don't want to burn down their farms. Right. So do you engage her in conversation about that spell in such a way that indicates you have seen it before? The fire one? Like she mentions the fire missiles. Do you describe what you've seen and ask, oh, is that the same thing? Or do you just file this away as... Yeah, I think Keppa files this away because as much as she likes to get as much information as she can, she's still, like, I don't think exploring that will give her as much information as seeing the healing and and experiencing that here. She can always ask somebody later. She knows that people wear red robes, and she can go ask them about it, too. Maybe if there's time later, she'll circle back, but for now, she's going to focus as much as she can on the healing magic because she's actually cast healing magic. So that can help her get, get more information about what might be different, what might be the same, if it's the, from the same source, or if it's actually different things they're doing or whatever. So when Raysa casts healing magic, there mm-hmm. is actually light. Oh. There's a... And there's not when I do it? No. When you heal things... Now, granted, you haven't healed terribly many things. I don't know if you've even healed an injury. You've removed conditions. Mm-hmm. But that has been more about, like in the case of Trick, you made Trick not be drunk anymore. Right. Yeah, I haven't actually used it for healing. So you essentially accelerated a natural process in Trick. I have tried to heal myself, but I failed that one time. So, okay. And you helped Gunmerdok with his arthritis. And that was mending and regrowing cartilage or whatever. But I haven't actually ever succeeded in healing an injury, so I don't know if it light will come out of it. <laughs> you have, you have okay. seen druids and shamans and your classmates heal things. Ah. There is not this light. So she is definitely interacting with magic in a fashion different from how else did. Right. But Hepa doesn't exactly know if the light is something she's adding because that's their brand. <laughs> <laughs> she might not think brand, but, you know, that's yeah, kind of yeah. like... Maybe that's the twist you always have to put on it for this, or if it's part of the magic or whatever. But maybe she's not going to ask in front of this, <laughs> this the, patient. the patient in case yeah. it's like a trade secret or whatever. Yeah. And so like as, as she like works and stuff like that, some people come in and she's got an ointment, a non-magical treatment for them to put on something to heal or joint ache cream for uh, ache cream for like muscle, you know, whatever. Right, right. So not everything that comes in gets magical treatment. So then I will, at some point, if we're in between patients, ask her if the light is how she was taught, or if that's when I've done the spell that I know, I've, there's no light. I've never seen healing magic use light before. And she, she's kind of like, well, it's a difference between open magic and human magic, I suppose, as, as it is the light itself that heals. That is like the essence of the magic being concentrated into like the injury. So is that only with the healing magic that you can see the the light? Uh, she says that the lights that they can summon also repel dark magics and dark energies. Like the light is a manifestation of the magic that is visible. Okay, so if I were to observe a mage that wears a red robe, would they also have light? Is it inherent in the human magic? The red mages have not spent the time to learn these aspects of magic. Okay. Many of them are obsessed with minutiae and obscure applications of metaphysics. And magical theory, like Peppa is trying to figure out right now. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Whereas it seems Reza is very focused on like the practical applications of how she can use magic to help people. I feel like disdain is too strong a word. You know, she's not like, oh, they're wasting their lives. But she but believes she, in a purity of purpose, I think. But she she also feels that you know the more time people spend folded up in their books and separate from like that actual like human suffering around them, the more they grow detached from what is of value. And you know, there's their own dangers buried in that. Sounds like she knew somebody that became a necromancer. I don't know that I would even think to ask that. Would she like me to try? Would she like to observe? Or is that like not something she would, they want? Competitive magic in their... If you're you're asking to magically treat like the next patient who comes in... Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's what I'm then trying Then you to. need to make a roll to convince her that that is a good idea. Okay. This is charm unless you can think of a more appropriate thing. I mean, the only other thing would be if I wanted to actually use the magic, the well, skill level. Well, another approach is negotiate. I don't think you're going to get permission by using coercion, but... I mean, charm is going to be my best thing. If you are trying charm, it is three purples. You have two story points. Yeah, she wants to know. So yeah, I'll use a story point. I made a triumph. But did you succeed? I did, but three threats. So I was like, how about if I use up a bunch of my strain before I cast? That sounds good. <laughs> or it's like a really bad injury. Oh. A serious injury comes in. I mean, three, is that enough that she could find out something about me if she wanted? Oh. Because it's a charm check, right? Yes. Well, that's a good point. Does she want to know if I'm curious? I'm guessing she's already figured that out. I drop what I'm holding. No, I think, I know it seems a little silly for, like, your real purpose in this conversation. But I think that is what she learns. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but Hepa is interested in magical theory. Yeah. More so than in magical practice. Yeah, you know what? In general, I think she's just curious about... This is why the whole reason why she came to the tent is just to help figure out like how if the magic is different or not. So what Rasa learns is the care of these patients is not your top priority. And in fact, you are more like one of these bookish wizards that she feels is a potential... Right. And I mean, that was kind of what Hepa said coming in, but she might also figure out that her interest in medicine is also just a very big curiosity. And not about... Maybe even like humans are a little bit of a curiosity too. So depending on how far you want to take it, because I I do feel like Hepa's been kind of upfront with some of that. So I don't want her to use up all of this on just learning things. There's a difference between what you have said... Uh-huh. And, like, what she perceives to be, like, really what is important to you. And right. So I mean, now, I guess I volunteered, too, so it seems like I'm selfless, but I'm not. Right. So she knows that about you, and it affects her opinion of you. Okay. All right, but you have a triumph. Yeah. It's a red mage that's injured. <laughs> <laughs> you have a triumph, which you could use for a story purpose, or you could use to upgrade your check on healing the next person. Um, I would like a story purpose, please. <laughs> so you want the next person who comes in to be a convenient NPC? Yeah, I think it would be. I mean, I think it would be weird if it was actually a mage. Or it could just be an alchemist. Or I could learn something about oh, alchemy or the ointments that we're doing, too. That would be rich. It's Damal. He got stabbed. In the... Or he's been <laughs> eviscerated and I get to see all the guts. Or No. Ooh. I think it would make sense for you to gain, like, alchemical knowledge and information. Not like that the patient is, but like the yeah. treatments and stuff and the materials available to you here in this tent. Because she said they used ointments and yes. stuff. So, yeah. So, 
we will say that up until now, you have known of specific mushrooms that can be used to treat things. Mm -hmm. Some of those mushrooms are difficult to come by, but you have now learned a combination of things that with an average survival check, as opposed to some of these things, the mushrooms having a difficult survival check. Mm -hmm. With an average survival check, you would be able to gather materials. You could then brew a painkiller. Okay. So this will require survival checks for gathering the material, and then also an alchemy check for brewing it. Right. So essentially, um, you have learned the recipe for painkiller ointment. Okay, so then I was going to make a healing check, I think. So the difficulty is two for that? Or I guess I don't know how bad this patient is. If they're past half their wound threshold, it'd be two purples, so we'll say that's what it is. Okay. This so. is somebody who got way further than you did in the dueling contest. So, I mean, well, that oaf is fast! She'll admit this may be beyond her ability, but she'll try. What are you doing? <laughs> you admit that to the patient? I don't know. Wait, wait, how many dice do you have here? She's oh. not clever. Oh, yeah, you don't have cunning. No, I do a lot better with medicine, but I like to experiment with my healing. Yep. So, I mean, if that doesn't work, I can try medicine, too. But it works. Oh. With wind threat. Okay. Oh, 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 magical threat time. So it cost you two strain. Yeah. How many successes did you have? Two. So it only heals two wounds. Mm-hmm. Your choice, two strain or two strain, one wound. one wound, or this character and all allied spellcasters at a black die. Keep the next spell they would do. So you you could, you know, poison the magic of the area briefly until the air clears. I can't because that proves magical theory that we haven't figured out yet. Or classic bloody nose. I'll just yeah, I can take the extra strain. So if you choose the strain option, it's two strain. Mm-hmm. On top of the cost of Yeah, that's alright. So you finally were able to heal somebody with your magic. You healed them a teensy tiny bit, and it was way more tiring than you expected it to be. Can I make a medicine check to see if I can help more, or is that it? Yes, you can. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I don't practice very much. I don't think her bedside manner is that great, just to be clear. It is still going to be two purples, because you only managed to heal them a tiny little bit. Okay, so let's see what I can do with a proper medicine check. And your little basic little set of tinctures that you have from your elven village. One threat and three successes. So you are better able to treat the wounds. But only a little bit, actually. <laughs> Alright, so somebody from Alduin was watching you with a fair bit of judgment in their eye as you did your work here. There's just like someone whispering back, see, that's the problem with this elvish natural man. It's just, you can't apply it, you can't focus it like you can proper... And it's at that point that you realize that Reza is not the only one watching you. That, in fact, her superior, Sethwick, who she said was out and about here somewhere, he's entered the tent. So is that where I take the extra strain? Is because now I'm being watched, so I'm like, oh, yeah. geez. Yeah, how does it feel to be stared at? That was <laughs> People stare at me a lot because I'm always staring at them. So you've healed this person, you've demonstrated some stuff, but, like, her superior is now present. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has to like pay attention to him now and show him around the tent and like talk about how work has been going and, and stuff like that. Right. So she doesn't have time for you anymore. Oh no, that's that was great. So I do want to see the joust. Uh, you can roll to recover strain. Oh good. Oh, and I have second wind still. I'm Jennifer here. 
The NPC Ulf suddenly sprung into existence in this arc. At the start of this episode, you heard us establish some things about him with 69, Ruin, and 2, Dreams. That was us consulting the event meeting tables of the Mythic GM emulator. The action table is a set of 100 verbs, and the subject table is a set of 100 nouns. I often roll 2d100 and consult these tables when planning for an upcoming session, just to get some prompts for where the story might go. They can also be helpful for responding to unexpected situations at the game table. You've been listening to Echoes of Invasion, set in the world of the Battle for Westnoth video game and played using Edge Studio's Genesis role-playing system. Our GM was Jen, and our players were Lex and Daniel. For the serialized narrative write-up of this adventure, visit us at diceystories.com. Our character art is by Del Borovic. See her work at delborovic.com. Our music is sampled from Return to Westnoth by Matthias Westland a.k.a. West, licensed under CC by SA 4.0, part of the Battle for Westnoth project. Visit them at westnoth.org. Until next time, this is Dicey Stories reminding you, the only thing that separates you from knowledge is experience. <laughs>